0: A forgiveness when it's given and forgiveness when it's received transforms. Unforgiveness destroys and causes bitterness and takes away peace and brings about war. It's powerful, extremely powerful. Not just the word, but the action of forgiveness is phenomenal. Uh, Some people have said lots of things about forgiveness, uh, and here's a few of them for you. Uh, This is from Alexander Pope. To err is human, to forgive is divine. It's not bad, is it? Forgiveness is a funny thing. It warms the heart and cools the sting. It's quite good too, isn't it, by uh, Mr. Ward? this one. A happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Some of us are probably a bit troubled with that one, aren't we? <laughs> It'd be good if we were. The marriage course, come on Friday. You'll learn all about it. It's going to be good. Uh, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you, Lewis Smeads. And what about the last one from C.S. Lewis? Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. It's powerful, isn't it? Uh, Those are some good quotes, Uh, some of them are based uh, from a Christian perspective, some of them aren't. Uh, But in them we see the power of forgiveness, we see the difficulty of forgiveness, but we also see that unforgiveness and how dangerous that is. Well, this morning we're going to think about that a little bit in our gospel communities throughout this week, we're going to pull that apart even more but this morning we're just going to delve into it and we're going to a touch upon it. It's a, it's a very deep, isn't it? It's not like a shallow pool. Uh, it's a deep river that when we dive into the, the concept of forgiveness uh, can be very refreshing and transforming. Uh, so we're going to hear from the Bible. We're going to hear what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. And it's interesting that uh, when Jesus talks about forgiveness, he speaks about it a lot, uh, but often he talks and does it in a story and uh, uh, tells a story. So we're going to hear uh, Jesus' story about a forgiving king and a servant that he forgives. And Karen's going to come and read that for us. It's from Matthew chapter 18. It'll be on your screen or uh, if you've got a Bible, that'd be great. Open it up and have a look as well. But as we read that story, it, it, it's, we we're supposed to uh, work out who the different characters are, aren't we? Uh, as Jesus tells that story, he wants the people who are listening to work out where they fit in the story and who they are in the story and how that story relates to them. Uh, So who do you think are the characters in the story? Who's the king? It's God, isn't it? It's clearly God. He's the king. He has control over everything. Uh, And there's a debt owed by a person uh, to him. So who's the person representing? The servant. It's not too complicated. Us. Yeah, isn't it? It's us. It's everyone. It's everyone. And we owe a great debt uh, to our God, don't we? Because none of us uh, are perfect. None of us have lived exactly the way that God wants us to live. He has given us everything. He has given us life. He has given us this world. But within that, we are repaying back by ignoring him or rejecting him or living against him. And even if we want to live for him, we still uh, don't do the right thing, do we? There's still times when we don't do the things that God desires us to do. And so we're the servant and we have this huge debt. That is owed to God. But in that, the king, what does he do? He forgives, doesn't he? He clears the debt. And the servant repents and asks for forgiveness. And the king clears his debt. Romans 5.8 says this, doesn't it? It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us In that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet those servants who owed everything to God, yet while we were broken and distraught, Christ died for us. Christ stepped in and Christ gives us forgiveness. Through Jesus, God enables that forgiveness to happen for you and I. The debt is paid. It's wiped out. It's no longer there. God removes that, Removes it by him, by Jesus. You see what God's math is? One cross plus three nails equals forgiven. One cross, three nails equals forgiven. At the cross, at the cross, <laughs> is what we sang at the beginning, didn't we? That's where our forgiveness is is paid for. That's where our forgiveness is given. That's where our forgiveness flows from. As Jesus hangs there, he cries out, doesn't he? He says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he says, it's finished. Forgiveness is available because of Jesus on the cross for us. And what happens in the rest of that parable, doesn't it? It goes down, and when we hear about the parable and we find out that forgiveness is given, we see the other guy go off and do the opposite, and not forgive. And then at the bottom of the parable, Jesus says that those who do not forgive will be treated as unforgiven by God. The, The story is, isn't it, that not only have we been forgiven, but we are to forgive. We've been forgiven by God, at great cost, Greater right cross than we can possibly imagine. When people hurt us or owe us, then we are to forgive them. Ephesians 4 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Some of us I think find it hard to accept God's forgiveness. But I reckon most of us sometimes find it hard to forgive people around us. We want to be thankful and praising that God has forgiven you. And we want to be asking God to help us to forgive others around us. Because by and of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do that. By and of ourselves, sin wants to get in and wants to take us back and wants to drive us back and wants to take us to bitterness, wants to take us to anger, wants to take us to revenge, wants to drive us in those directions. But God wants to take us to love and forgiveness and reconciliation and repentance. And we need God to help us to do that, to empower us to do us. To be able to, as we heard last week, for us to love like God, God asks us to love the same way. As Jesus loves us, we are to love each other. And as we saw in 1 John chapter 4, that that happens by the power of the Spirit working within us. As God is in us, He enables us to love others. And as God is in us, He allows us to forgive others. And He enables us to forgive others. Well, what do we do there? You see, it's the power of God working through us that we're able to live the way that God wants us to live. It's by the power of God in us, through His Spirit, that enables us to live a loving life. It's by the power of God within us, through His Spirit, that enables us to live a forgiving life. It's He that enables us to do it. It's through His strength and His power So how often when you're thinking about people around you and you're thinking that you need to forgive them, are you asking God to give you the power by His Spirit to do that? I think so often we think we can do it all by ourselves. So often we think that, you know, we live in a world that tells us that we're empowered. It's all us. It's all about us. Everything that we have is in our control. You know, we we, we design our lives. We design our futures. We We design everything, don't we? Everything is in this area that we've got and so we get this sense that we're the one who's got the power and that we're the one who are in control and when that happens it's disastrous isn't it? Because things go skewy. Things go wrong. People hurt us and people hurt us badly and if we hold on to that and we in our own strength try and deal with that then It just keeps going skewy. But by the power of God within us, through his spirit, he transforms, enables us as we hand over to him and allow him because he's the one who's in control. He's the one who has the power. He's the one that's going to bring about change ultimately and he's the one that's going to bring about justice ultimately. As we trust him in that, then we can be released. Released to experience his love release to love others release to experience his forgiveness and release to forgive others it's a great quote isn't it everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive who knows who that is Corey Ten Boone and I might have told this story and Carolyn told this story to our gospel community just the other night uh, Corey Ten Boone, if you don't know who she is, uh, is uh, a Dutch lady uh, who wrote the book The Hiding Place, who was uh, a person in the World War II and her family together uh, protected Jews and hid them in their house and then allowed them to escape out into the countryside away from Nazi Germany from the moon taking to concentration camps. Uh, within that time frame though, Corey and her family were captured. And she was taken and she was in a concentration camp for a number of years. Uh, Corey's now no longer with us, she's with the Lord. But uh, in her lifetime, after that, she spent the rest of her life going around and sharing the good news of Jesus and how God moved through her, through her time in the concentration camp. And she tells that story uh, and it's an amazing story. If you ever get a chance to read the book, The Hiding Place, can I encourage you to do it. It's a, it's a great book to be reading. A very challenging book to be reading. What a great book to be reading. Uh, Corey tells a story that when, uh, one of the things she used to do, she used to travel throughout Europe and particularly through Germany and bring the message of forgiveness of the gospel in her as she travelled round. Uh, and one day when she was uh, speaking, at the end of her speech, uh, a guard, a person who came up who was a guard at Ravensbrück at the place, the concentration camp that she was in, came forward. And Corey recognised him. And she froze. And as he came towards her, he said, Fraulein, uh, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. I did horrendous things there. But I have become a Christian and I know forgiveness. I know God's forgiveness for me, but I'd like to have your forgiveness as well. Now, as Corey tells the story, at that moment in time, thousands of things went through her brain. You know how that happens? You know, it might only take a couple of seconds, but your brain races through a whole lot of things. And in that time frame, she had a picture of, of the devastation and the horror of the concentration camp and of this guard and her standing naked with, all, with her sister and all the other women that were there, of her sister dying uh, in that concentration camp and of all the horrific conditions that they lived in. And she said that she could literally not lift her hand to shake the hand of the guard that had a hand out in front of her. Uh, but in that moment as well, she just said, oh God, I've just been speaking about forgiveness. I've just been telling this crowd that God forgives us and we are to forgive others. If I cannot do this, then I am not living what I am preaching. I'm not living the gospel. And she prayed, God, not in my power, but yours. And in that moment, she lifted her hand And as she lifted her hand by the power of God, as she shook the hand of the guard, she says she had never felt the power of God in that moment as much as she did then. She had this sense of God just flooding through her and releasing her from the pain that she had and the bitterness that she'd built it up, even though she was preaching to them and speaking to those people in Germany at times. She felt the power of God run through her And she says that at the end, that it wasn't my strength. It was the power of God through his Holy Spirit that enabled her to take the hand of the guard that committed horrific crimes against her and her family. And she was set free. You see, sometimes the horror of what people have done against us is so bad. That in our own strength we can't forgive. But in God's strength we can. It's only in the power of God through His Spirit within us that enables us to do that. You see, and that forgiveness doesn't take away the fact that it was cruel didn't take away the fact of the action, didn't take away the fact that her sister died, didn't take away the fact of the horror, didn't take away the fact that there needed to be justice and that justice needed to be served. It doesn't take away the consequences of people's actions, but it frees the opportunity for reconciliation, enables the pathways for peace. That's what forgiveness brings. here's a definition, it's not mine, of forgiveness, but I think it's a good definition. It says, forgiveness is an act of love that releases the debt or the hurt caused by one against the other with the aim of seeking peace and reconciliation of a relationship. That's God's forgiveness to us, isn't it? And that's the way that we are to seek forgiveness for others. And there's three core parts to forgiveness. Uh, there's forgiveness, there's repentance and there's reconciliation. Whenever you read the scriptures, those three things work together. Uh, They're either uh, written specifically or you'll see that that's what God is working towards. He's saying in forgiveness, uh, we need to see repentance and the outcome is, the desire is for reconciliation. That peace is restored, that relationship is restored. Now sometimes it's... uh, Forgiveness, repentance and reconciliation. Sometimes it's repentance, forgiveness and reconciliation. But those three things come together. Because they're the three things that God works together, doesn't he? For us. Now if you remove repentance from that and we seek forgiveness, it actually makes reconciliation almost impossible, doesn't it? Jesus is asked the question, isn't he? He says, how many times should I forgive my brothers and sisters? Uh, seven times? Sounds like a lot to Peter. But Jesus says, 70 times, seven times. What he's saying is forever, always. Uh, there's not a time frame on it. There's not a limit on it. The 70 times seven is, a, is the huge number. It's like a number beyond a number. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you've just got to keep on forgiving. But then we also see that for true reconciliation to happen for a restored relationship to happen, then there needs to be repentance on behalf of the person that has hurt you. See, Jesus cries out. God offers forgiveness to people, doesn't he, from the world. God, Jesus cries out from the cross. Forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they are doing. But for people to experience and know reconciliation with God, then there needs to be repentance. People need to come to God and ask for that. And the same for us in relationships. We are still asked to forgive, but for there to be true reconciliation in relationships with people, then there needs to be repentance from the person that has caused the harm. You'll think about that more in your gospel communities as we talk about that through the week. But just think about that in regards to how we are to offer forgiveness to people. But unless there is repentance, then reconciliation is almost impossible. But when there is repentance, then reconciliation is on the drawing board, is in the frame. You see, we've been forgiven by Jesus, and we are to be forgiving like Jesus. We've been forgiven by Jesus, and we're to be forgiving like Jesus. Again, it doesn't take away the fact of what someone has done to us, it doesn't take away the consequences of what someone has done to us, but it does relieve us from seeking vengeance against that person. It does relieve us from building up bitterness against that person. It does free us from working to get payback against that person. How often do you hear that you? Oh, that person's done well, I'm going to get them back. That person's done that to me, well, you just wait until I do this for them. And we get it back. And if you look at all the major conflicts that happen in our world, what are they? They're vengeance and payback. One person's done this, so we're going to get them back. Until there is forgiveness, that cycle will continue on a world frame and on a personal frame. Unless we see that, it's not going to happen, is it? And you see, part of that is actually saying that we trust God in that as well. You see, when we can forgive someone and allow that to be released, we're saying that ultimately we trust God to be the ultimate bring about of justice. We're trusting God in one thing, that either he will ultimately on the final day bring justice to that person. On that final day, everyone will stand before God and everything that we've ever done will be brought before him and he will judge that. And so as we offer forgiveness to people and release people from that, then we're trusting God will either do that or the other thing that God will do is he'll pour all that justice out on Jesus. As people repent and come to Him, their judgment is going to be completely laid on Jesus. And we trust God in that. You see, at the cross, both justice and mercy meet together. It's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. Loving forgiveness. and We are to forgive as God has forgiven us. We are to forgive like Jesus, because Jesus has forgiven us. But we can only do that because of the power of God within us. It's only as He works through us by His Spirit, enables us to transform us and change us, that that's going to be any possibility at all. But when it does become a possibility, and when it does become a truth, and when we do allow forgiveness, and when we do offer forgiveness, and when we do seek forgiveness... And when forgiveness is granted and when we experience that, then we are set free from bitterness, revenge and payback and we are set free to love that person again and set free to be reconciled with that person again. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's powerful. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. What we're going to do to finish with today is we're going to watch... It's a, it's a bit of a clip which includes a song, but it also includes the story behind the song. Uh, so a guy called Matt West, not Sam West, brother, uh, has written a song called Forgiveness. Uh, and it's a forgiveness based on the gospel, but based on a story uh, that he wanted to put into words. And we're going to watch that, and we're going to finish on that this morning.
1: This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids, two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant.
2: Megan is um, a very joyful child and had a heart of gold, beautiful, loved people, loved her family, um, just a joy of my life. And um, when she was 20 years old on May 11th, 2002, uh, my sister-in-law came to the door to tell me that um, Megan had been in a car accident and she didn't make it. You know, my heart was so broken and I looked at her and said, no, you're kidding. And, you know, still looking for her to tell me that, that she's this is not really true, that, Megan wasn't coming back home.
1: Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself. And she forgave me. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there though. Renee went to the courts along with her family and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years.
2: He told me that day, at the day of the hearing, that it didn't matter at this point. He said, you know, if, if the judge does not grant this for me, I want you to know that I am so grateful that you are willing to do this and um, he said and I will be okay he said I'll, I'll be fine but I'm just I, he was blown away by the fact that we were willing to go before the judge and and you know plead for him to not have to be there for 22 years
1: On your mind today, and it always goes to those who don't deserve it. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness.
2: I was more than angry at Eric. I had so much rage inside of me, and yet the moment that I was able to look Eric in his eyes and tell him that I forgive him, you know, that was a moment that healing began for both of us.
1: It's always anger's own worst enemy. And even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying, set it free, forgive me.
2: judge and a jury telling you that it's okay to hold a grudge you know that's what the world says it's okay for you to feel that way which it is but yet those feelings they're inside of you eating away at you and and you don't want to live your life that way Have someone say to them, I'm sorry for what I did, or I take responsibility for what I did, and you still have to forgive if you want to heal. It
1: can even set a prisoner free, there is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness
2: you're not letting go of what happened you know it is wrong it it should never have happened it is not okay it doesn't mean that you're canceling any of that out but once you are able to say those words and truly mean it you know um, then you do find that you're setting a prisoner free and the prisoner truly is you Show me how to love the
1: inspired by Renee's story when I read it, but it took me a while to write her song. I kept her story in my guitar case for about two years, and I realized the reason why it was so difficult to write this song, Forgiveness, is because it's kind of hard to live that out. That's why the words of the chorus are sung in the form of a prayer. God, show me how. Help me to do the impossible. This story of forgiveness really makes me think that There's some pretty life-defining questions that all revolve around that one word, forgiveness. Questions like, is there somebody that I need to forgive, that I've been holding on to a grudge and it's weighing me down, every step's getting heavier and I just need to set it free. Another question is, is there someone that I need to go and uh, ask for forgiveness from, to say, I'm humbling myself, I'm sorry, no excuses, can we start over? Another forgiveness question, one that Eric has had to deal with in prison is, can I ever forgive myself? What if loving the unlovable means having to learn how to love that person you see when you look in the mirror? Sometimes that's not an easy task, which really leads to the most significant forgiveness question of all, and it's this. Have I ever let it really sink in, the message of God's forgiveness, what he's done for me through his son Jesus dying on a cross for my sins. Renee stood before that judge along with all of her family members, taking turns speaking on behalf of a guilty criminal and seeking mercy for him. I'm reminded that somebody has done that for me. Somebody has done that for you. His name is Jesus. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he do that? So that our stories could discover the healing, the victory, the redemption, the power, the freedom of one word, forgiveness.